0: Good morning. I apologize for my slightly groggy voice, as Lauren just called it, but I am only halfway through my first cup of coffee this morning. It's a little bit earlier. I've got some morning things to do, to take care of. So we're recording, you know, at the crack of dawn, essentially, which is anytime before eight, if you ask me. <laughs> Um, how is the drilling going outside your window? I mean, is this even necessary at this point? I insisted, I will say, I did insist we record this early because I was very nervous about the risk of drilling. Right. It's subsided for the most part, but there is still heavy clanking. Mm, Okay. Okay. Well, I look forward to the days when construction is done on your street. I do too. It's not till the end of August, so I don't even know if I'm going to make it till (laughs) then, but (laughs) we'll see. Um... I I did though get a little bit more settled into like our place this week. Ben hung our like whole gallery wall, so I'm feeling a lot better. Even if there, you know, are loud sounds of drilling, and it basically sounds like, you know, a dentist is t- doing a root canal on our street. Um, <laughs> at least I like my indoors, so that's all. Yeah. So okay, that actually brings us to a question a lot of people had for you, which was. You know how things are going. We got that a lot in the Q and A. People want to know how you know being ensconced with Ben, living in sin, shacking up like a real slor is going. Um, it's that's so funny. I know a lot of people have asked like, how is it going? And what's funny is that they'll also ask it like to us in person. Like Ben is going to be like in person, like uh, it's the worst, or I'm going to be like it's the worst. Um, Yeah, even though it like has not been the worst. Um, it's been amazing. Like what's crazy is that nothing has really changed. Like we just kind of like have our routine and it's actually just a lot more peaceful because I don't have to like schedule or plan when we're going to be able to hang out or like how we're going to eat dinner together. You know, if that's even a reality and a lot of times like <laughs> I would basically finish my work day and then I would just start calling him, you know, just like, hey, right? when right. are we hanging out? When is our evening going to begin together?
1: When um, are you going to be done not- with
0: work? literally and and now i don't have to do that anymore now he's just a simple you know room away at most mm-hmm. and i can just you know bug him in person but no it's like i mean i don't know it's just the same and maybe more magical because we have this like new little place that's like ours and like i don't know even just seeing all of our like art up on the wall that's like half mine and half his like is is very sweet um so it's going really well and i'm just like so in love with like our apartment and it just feels like we've we started a little life so it's really really happy i feel like unless you move in with someone after like unless you move in with someone after really rarely spending the night if you're spending the night virtually of the time, 80% of the time, then all of a sudden moving in, it's less of like this culture shock because you already know if the person's messy. You already know their not. I could not agree more, Lauren. I could not agree more. Um, You know, let's talk about a man though who's not moving in with his one true love anytime soon. A man (laughs) who has been sowing his wild oats. All around tech companies, I don't even know if tech companies is the right even like... Uh, filter to put on this can we just talk about elon musk because i feel like i need your perspective because i do feel like you used to like love elon is it true well actually kind of worship at his feet no that's the opposite of true do you even know me are we even sisters here's the thing sometimes i think of kate kagan as like an elon musk light in the terms of just like tech energy okay coding energy (laughs) yeah not 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 in this not in this particular way we're about to speak about but so i just i i yeah but this is wrong with me to assume so, i i see well okay funny story um elon musk is actually one of the first fights kagan and i had was about elon, <gasps> elon musk oh yeah okay don't you remember this maybe so kagan, i do yeah because so, you've we read his mom's book first. or something now, when we were first dating, um, it was probably like four months in, five months in, we went to get a cocktail. And I was fully trying to get Kagan to say, I love you, right? So uh-huh. it must have been like two and a half months in. And so that is literally the time w- when men should be saying it for the record. I was trying to deepen the relationship. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, "This is perfect. We're gonna do the thirty-six questions from the New York Times to fall in love." Absolutely. Like this yeah. is a fool. This is a foolproof plan. Okay. Can I just say really quickly that those questions are oftentimes a little bit of boner killers? Can I just say that? Well, we were in a public setting, so I. That's well, probably I'm just, actually okay. useful. Mood killers, to put it lightly, because a lot of times they're like. What's the, your deepest fear about your parents? And then it's like, okay, I guess we're going to get into this tonight. Right, right, for sure. I mean, I think that it's that's the problem. It's like they're too emotionally raw. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. what if the person doesn't react correctly? What if the person isn't quite empathetic enough? And I don't know. It's definitely I just prefer, a minefield. I just prefer those volcanic emotional eruptions to happen naturally. That's all. Um. Anyways, well, back to what happened. These, this was an artificially induced volcanic eruption because <laughs> Kagan and I were sitting at the at the bar in Laguna Beach. I think we went to the ranch in Laguna. Stunning setting, beautiful right. canyon view, the light just hitting perfectly. And I just pull up on my phone the 36 questions. I think this is the moment he's going to look at me. Mm-hmm. We're going to learn about each other. He's going to think, right. I love this woman. Right. Um, so I don't remember what the question was. But I think it was like, so, who's someone you admire? And he yeah. said Elon Musk, because Elon Musk is like trying to save the world and the planet. I mean, this was also and, like, what, f- four years ago, five years ago, Elon Musk? So a different Elon Musk, I would say. Yeah, I, I think it was more of like a Tesla-focused Elon Musk. Not ex um, sha just- yeah, it was pre-Grimes. Anyway, Kagan doesn't care about Elon Musk's personal life. Like, that's the opposite of yeah. his concerns. He just likes that he's doing, like, important, cool things that are trying yeah. to help humanity. Um, but for me, I couldn't care less about his professional <laughs> ventures and only think, I you know, like, if you're not successful in the home, you're a failure. Absolutely. I mean, that the home is where it starts. So, no success in the workplace can... Yes. What is the quote? What's a, what, like no an LDS quote? Can rival the, the joy? Or like can, the, can supplant or up? make up for a failure in the home. Can make up for right. failure in the home. That's really what the right. quote is. And um, words we still live by, wouldn't you say? Uh, yeah absolutely and so absolutely. as someone who's putting off children to you know build her career first um, and have fun yeah totally my family values are completely intact this mainly only applies to men okay can we just say that yeah absolutely it's like women already know this lesson women are already right. you know not impregnating five different women um, but we'll get to that in a second so so yeah so he said he, admired Elon. And I was like, well, I I actually do not think Elon Musk is a good person. I mean, he like left his first wife and I read her essay in Vanity Fair and he totally just had a starter wife and dumped her and had five kids with her and is basically an absentee dad from everything I can see. (laughs) I mean, these are valid points though. Well, Kagan said it was like for him. It was like a big moment where he was like, whoa, this chick might be loco. And ding, ding, ding. He was correct. What's funny is that I think I fully repeated that because I did know that I, now I am remembering. I'm sorry for saying that you were an Elon Musk Um, I am now remembering you telling me about this fight and me just being like, absolutely not. Like, didn't he have like, yeah, like five kids with her or something? Yeah. I had a, Everyone should read the article. I think it was in Vanity Fair. No, it definitely was by Justine Musk. Um, or I think her last name is, main name is Wilson. I don't know, whatever you can Google it. She talks about the whole process of essentially being his starter wife and then him dumping her to go like date Hollywood starlets. So it's very juicy, very interesting. Um, definitely, definitely everyone needs to go read it. Um, but anyway, so yeah, that was a funny story, but let's get to Elon today because Elon today is, he is really, um, I don't know how. What would you even say? He's multiplying and replenishing the earth. I don't know if it's like a Jordan Peterson thing where he's just like literally the world is in decline, or Joe Rogan like there's one of these stupid ass thought leaders that's like, you know, and this is not actually a wrong uh, way of thinking, but you know, the world's population is in decline. Like you know, we need to be like having more children, but they have taken it upon themselves i.e. Elon um to (laughs) replenish the earth i feel like it's every 36 hours we're hearing about another secret child with another tycoon well okay so let me just walk everyone through Elon Musk's 10 children so he first has 10 10 kids so he first had his six first six children with Justine (gasps) Wilson one died of SIDS at 10 months or 10 oh, weeks. So that's sad. super sad. Um, but then five are still with us um, today. And that's his first six children born. Oh my gosh. Then he has two with Grimes. Okay. Oh my gosh. And two. then another two with Sh- Siobhan Zillis, who has, is an executive, I believe at SpaceX. Right. Um, Sh- the twins. Are with Siobhan? The twins, yes. I also firmly believe, like, I would bet my life on it, that Amber Heard's kid is Elon Musk. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Because they did create embryos together Mm -hmm. when they were dating. And there's no spoken... No one understands who the father is. And I personally think... I think that's why Amber Heard is really not, like, ever going to be that much in trouble. And that's why Elon Musk paid for her attorney you know donated to charity on her behalf um he absolutely is gonna probably be protecting and supporting amber heard on some level for for a long time yeah why does that make me like feel warm feelings towards him but i know that he's just like literally an egg donor or sorry sperm donor like well i just kind of think that like i get I get that we all love the idea of two parents in the home. You know, dad coaching soccer. Dad right. playing little, you know, playing catch with the kid out on the lawn. Like, I get the 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 true despair of an absentee dad, a la Bruce Jenner, and the children oh with Linda Thompson. So I completely understand that. David Foster. I, yeah, David Foster. Of course. Don't get us I started. I will say, though, I do feel like Elon Musk just inhabits this other orbit. Like, he's kind of like on another planet and i do think that he probably i think it's more of like a sperm donor situation like he's like the dad on paper the kids have complete financial security and I mean, they get to have it, like this you know one of the world's richest men is their father it's not that bad of a deal if you're going to be one of the uh probably over over 50 percent of people who don't have a father who's in your life Absolutely. I'm not even saying this is bad for the kids. I'm just shocked that he continues to have more children with more various random women. But maybe he's just like a big family guy. I don't know. Well, he is actually deeply concerned about the population decline. Yeah, I, I have a feeling. Which is a concern because if the popu- if we don't have replacement level population, then humanity will actually cease to exist. Right. Like that's just how math works, everyone. Yeah. I actually can't say even a single sentence more about it because it's hard for me to understand, <laughs> but <laughs> we're just going to end it with, that's just how math works <laughs> and you can look it up yourself and you can do your own research. Don't ex- don't ask me to explain the math, but that is how math works. Okay, I saw the chart that he posted on Twitter. It was a very compelling equation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, But yeah, he is desperately concerned with humanity ceasing to exist and the population crisis. I mean, and yeah, it is just kind of funny. This is just totally getting in the nitty gritty. But like, you just would think that a tycoon like himself or like David Foster would just... Like, really be sure that, like, the women that he was with, casually, non-casually, whatever, were on birth control. Or maybe they just don't care. No, these were... I mean, his child with Grimes was... His second child with Grimes was born via surrogate. Grimes is very open yeah. about the fact that they have an, ha, are not really together, but she's open to having more children with him. Mm-hmm. Siobhan, I think this was also... I don't know if it was born via surrogate or not. Um, but this is intentional impregnation. I mean... Siobhan had twins, so it probably was I right, right, so even if she carried the children, they probably were you know purposefully implanted. right I right. do think that who knows, maybe he doesn't even plan to be an absentee dad, maybe he plans to right. have all the kids in his life in his life too, and you know what? this is something I have to say, and I'm not just trying to you know set up my marriage for success, everyone i, I you know, I believe okay, these well, words, but what a disclaimer, but I think that. Hey, it's better than all the effing millennial dudes sipping their matcha lattes at 36 and abdicating the responsibility of the hearth and home and becoming fathers, okay? It's better than that. Paltry excuse mean, that we see on Hinge, you know, card after card. I do, okay, okay. I, I just want to talk about you using the word abdicating like they're all <laughs> whatever. King George VII? King George the seventh. Or that eighth? Um, excuse me thank you thank you tina um the hearth what's the what is it what is even the hearth? what are they abdicating with the hearth what's that is that like the 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 area before your fireplace yeah exactly (laughs) it's like it's the it's the fire and warmth of the home you know it is life so keeping they're abdicating the keeping the house warm and the house itself correct the hearth is the hearth is a representation for the fire that burns in the creation of energy when you have children and bring them into the world, Chandler. Wow, um, that was, that was a beautiful little definition. And the um, no, in I the agree. same way I, that you kindle a fire, you also you know tend to the growing spirits of the your young.
1: young. Yeah. Wow. And a lot of um, these someone went on a
0: safari. With a lot of these dudes with their ankle pants sipping their matcha oh lattes, their $7 matcha lattes, and just like, you know, going on their phones, just living I do, these shallow okay. lives. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah. think that, I think there are definitely men who want to have families. I don't think that it is all, you know, the 36-year-old incel vibes matcha latte guys. I do think there are a decent amount of guys who do want to have families. I do think it is a... L- a older population. Like, I don't think it's like, you know, they assume to be fathers by the age of 35. It's more like, maybe I'll start thinking about that when I'm 35. Uh, no, I, I agree with you. There's definitely, there's definitely great men out there. Um, I'm a hundred percent with you on that, Chandler. I just think, I mean, there are some that are, are not from my dating absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Um, but like, have you ever had a matcha latte? They're pretty delicious. I don't know. It's just a little effeminate to me. Um, but I don't okay. want to get in the, I don't want to get in trouble, you know? Yeah. That, um, let's, as, let's edit that out. As the PC police, I'm pretty sure you don't want me to elaborate on that. Yeah. Do you let's know about let's Ar- cut it there. <laughs> Do you know about Errol Musk, Chandler? Is that a son or is that a daughter? Oh, I'm oh, so. mother. Happy. Mother. Mother you, Musk. No. Right? <laughs> no. Oh my gosh. Who is Errol that? Musk is Elon Musk's father. Do you know about him? No. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Look, I did see a headline. Didn't he like marry his his stepdaughter or something? The seventy six year old welcomed a second child with his stepdaughter, Jana. I don't know. Bezetta, it's hard to explain. Jana. His second. His his stepdaughter Jana. Um, Errol had raised Jana since she was four after marrying her mother Heidi in nineteen ninety two. Oh my gosh. Um, by his own account, news of Errol's new children with Jana, his stepdaughter, didn't go down well with his other kids who found it, and this is in quotes, a bit creepy, to say the least. Uh, yeah. As Jana was like a sister to them. I mean, literally a sister to them. I mean, since she was four. Yeah. It's it's giving Woody Allen. It's disgusting. It's. Oh, 100%. Okay, Errol Musk said that the child was the result of a one-off mistake, <gasps> saying it happened one evening when Jana's boyfriend threw her out of the house and she slept over at my house. You have to understand, I've been single for 20 years and I'm just a man <gasps> who makes mistakes. <laughs> that That's his own account. Oh yeah, that's a direct quote. Holy shit. I know, it's okay, so good. Okay, that is, I'm sorry, I just, this, this doesn't make me look fondly upon Elon Musk the okay, sins wait, of the father rest on the children or whatever yeah honestly this is a podcast felt very religious uh, all i would say is adam's transgressions are upon us this morning <laughs> yes. because listen to this Chandler, Jana and errol don't live together anymore um because great. the children were this is in quotes starting to get on his nerves <laughs> the children that he created with his stepdaughter who he raised Mm -hmm. were starting Mm -hmm. to get on his nerves okay i'm sorry this man needs to be put down (laughs) honestly um he does say he does miss them when they're gone okay do you want to know some of elon's words on errol yeah although did you have a hot take can i just say this just all tracks with a man named errol (laughs) does it not Anytime I've seen an Errol, yeah, he has been a decrepit, creepy, 70-plus Ancestuous man. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Um, okay. Elon said that his father has a very high IQ and is brilliant at engineering, but went on to brand him as, quote, terrible and, quote, evil. Elon, this is a direct quote. He said, he was such a terrible human being. My dad will have a carefully thought out plan of evil, and he will carry out that <gasps> plan of evil. You have this is continued a direct quote from Elon in a Rolling Stone interview. He said, "You have no idea about how bad. Almost every crime that you can possibly think of, <gasps> that you can possibly think of, he has done. Almost every evil you can possibly think of, he has done. It's so terrible, you can't believe it." I okay. Why like, who is, is gives there a not- shit about buying Twitter? Uh, literally Um, Why aren't we just talking about this full time? Errol, no, literally, where is our stunning HBO documentary about this? Our perfectly cast and scripted documentary? Like, where is the 10-part series? I want to know about him. Are we going to have to do one? I want to know about him not only committing every evil, but hatching a plan and then (laughs) carrying out that plan of evil. Like, that's such an interesting thing to say. Like, he will have a plan of evil and he will carry out the plan of evil. Okay, can we just say that... Well, can we just can you just imagine literally saying this to rolling stone about your own flesh and blood? i mean it's it's a very much dga DGAF energy which I adore um not right. you know worrying about what your parents think clearly, Elon is off Errol's. T-Mobile plan. Um, so he, <laughs> he is no longer counting on that $60 a month. Doesn't give a shit. Dude, um, that is what real financial freedom looks like. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> honestly. That, I, it, I mean, that is, it's definitely like a new level. I mean, they don't speak. Like he hates his father. Yeah. All I have to say is that it's ripe for a scripted series. And if I don't see one in the next six months, I'm going to have no choice but to, you know, get the rights myself. I don't know about it. don't know about a, Like a sitcom. I would like a docu-series. Okay. I said, I said scripted series. Yeah. Not like two and a half men. <laughs> okay. But <laughs> like, yes, I want, I want First like he... a Ronan V. Faro or whatever, or like whatever yeah, the exactly. documentary was. That's what I want. I, I want people. Like... I want, no, I want characters from their childhood. I don't know where they were raised, yeah, but I exactly. want, you know, I want a docu-series. I want people to come forward. I want there to be soft lighting. Um, and I want, you know, I want to hear the truth. I want drone shots of the family home growing Mm -hmm. up with menacing music. I don't want like stories of hatching plans of evil and then slipping on spaghetti. That's not the um, television program I'm after. There better be some juice. Um, Yeah, exactly. Okay. Chandler, everyone wants to know our thoughts on J-Lo and Ben Affleck's marriage on their Paris honeymoon. (sighs) Okay. Let's get into it. Let's just get into it. So apparently these two were married. Uh, Mm -hmm. A couple weeks ago, J-Lo's name has been changed to Jennifer Affleck, um, but she will always be J-Lo. I know that what I'm about to say has the risk of potentially alienating some of the people closest to me. Okay? I'm willing to take that risk. I do not care about J-Lo and Ben Affleck. They have completely lost me. The PR narrative that is their entire relationship, I mean, whatever degree of real it is, has been... Totally, like watered down by just how manufactured it feels to me as a public person, as a as a public viewer, I guess. Um, So yeah, that's my opinion on it. You know, I honestly, for some reason, I'm not compelled and not interested in them either. But I do have a few thoughts. The first is that (sighs) Ben Affleck looks completely miserable on this honeymoon. Um, He does not seem in love. He seems like he's tolerating this situation. Mm -hmm. He is falling asleep on a gondola on the Seine, he is crying at dinner, and then he, like, every time he's walking down the street, he looks like he has the same expression on his face on that very popular meme where he's, like, staring (laughs) at the ocean and awash with stress. So, I don't know that this is, like, this would be very embarrassing for me if, and unfortunately... You know, we're, I'm not famous at all, and no paparazzi will be following me on my uh, on my honeymoon. But if Kayan had the same demeanor, I would be I would be mortified. So you don't think that those tears in Paris are tears of you know a of a heartfelt ode of love or declaration of love? I don't think I don't think Ben Affleck sheds <laughs> emotional tears <laughs> of romance. No, and, and, and honestly, the dude is on tinder going for thoughts like this guy is this marriage will be done in less than two years I promise all of you I just yeah I feel like I can't come back from the photo of them on the yacht with a framed photo of them in the background it just all feels a little bit too manufactured well, I was talking to Chrissy about this yesterday, and I just think that a lot of times for celebrities, getting married is just something to do. It's like, it's like an it's sure. having a peak experience. It's, you know, it's a, it's a psychological moment, you know. But there is like zero reason for these people to actually put in the hard yards of a relationship and a marriage, like sticking it out. Like these people will just divorce the second there is any sort of blood in the water. So one of my favorite like pop culture writers talks about how JLo is just like so over the top and she can't not be over the top. Like she's always got to have a hat with every single outfit like one of those people. Um, We can get into more of that personal vendetta I have later. Um, But and I guess like this just sort of tracks like I just feel like the Ben Affleck thing is just clearly, you know, an over the top play for, you know, Lo fans who are you know have so much nostalgia for their early relationship for the, for the early motorcycle picks um and yeah I just I just don't know if I'm buying that this is like real love for her no I mean I think it's real love for her I think she looks really happy I think that she loves having an a Lester age-appropriate yes. obsessed with her I mean who wouldn't but I just I don't know I if mean, it's internalized misogyny I don't know what it is could be that but it, I think it's probably just Ben's completely despondent demeanor in all these photos, but Ben Affleck does not seem happy. Um, also, oh. I want to say I might know the reason. Okay. 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 Um, have you seen her honeymoon looks? I mean, what is happening, JLo? I'm sorry. You cannot wear reformation dresses she needs to pickle in she clearly does not have free no, style is, words and it's really really oh my showing she's right, wearing right. prairie reformation dresses or like very bold modern um mm-hmm. a what's that what's that style like the a not a frame that's a house um asymmetrical uh, no, A-line? a skirt like a line. Yeah, she's wearing these like bold red cerulean blue a line dresses. They're like a Diane Von Furstenberg rip off, and then she's wearing this a bunch of heinous wedges that look like they're from Payless Dress she, for Less. She can't and help just, herself. The wedge shoe in twenty twenty two. Is a cry for help I'm sorry But <laughs> who wears a wedge Or a heel With a platform on it That went distinctly out of style I mean, In 2006 Okay everyone I mean She I, needs I, she, she needs to mark her calendar Because on August 8th Courtney Rose Dillard's line drops Okay And she needs some help I don't know what place we're in in humanity, but J Lo is wearing wedges and platform heels in Paris on her honeymoon. Well, it just for me is such a bad fashion moment. So that's why She's hot also tank. wearing gas station sunglasses. It looks like like sunglasses with with that are like mm, I don't know. They look like normal sunglasses, okay? But the frames are like a fluorescent purple. Literally gas station level uh, UV protection no it's all so bad Chandler it's so bad um but speaking of style and the three words people wanted to know they wanted us to reiterate what the three words means so I do forget which tiktoker is famous for this or it's like the Mm -hmm. big proponent of it Amber Filler posted about her and now I've completely forgotten her name but anyway the entire point of the three words when it comes to style is that there's two principles. One is that people with great style are consistent. And so if you are like JLo and one day you're in a prairie dress, you know, prancing around in your wedges and the next day you're in a platform heel and your Diane von Furstenberg dress, there's no consistency. Not only, well, right. not only are the looks bad, but also you don't have a set style. And if you think about people with great style and Audrey Hepburn, a Jackie O, a Carolyn Bessette, these are people who really stayed within a specific theme, even Haley Bieber today, Bella Hadid. These are people who know their lane, who've picked a Mm -hmm. theme and stick with it. So they're famous for one thing. And it's actually been very instructive for me personally, because, you know, I felt like my style has been all over the place and I just decided I I need to pick a vision. I wasn't going to say anything, but yeah, it's been a smorgasbord. Yeah, exactly. And so it's so helpful because all of a sudden so you pick your three words and then if a purchase doesn't fit your three words you can just say oh this isn't my style example the Doan warehouse sale i didn't buy i i looked through it i added things to cart and then i was like you know what honestly this is all has elements of prairie in it and i'm that's not my style mm-hmm, i'm not into that mm-hmm. anymore i'm over it and i'm not buying any of this and right. it's actually quite freeing and helps yeah. you edit your purchases as a consumer so um, I totally agree. I actually went through the dawn warehouse sale and did think, okay, what are my three words? It's been a journey to f- discover my three words, um, and I only found one thing that really suited me, style wise. Okay, um, which was not which was still a prairie like pattern, but it was a shorter dress versus a longer dress because I just don't think that I'm I'm yeah. Anyways, what are your three words, Chandler? So, like I said, it's been a journey, but I think my three words are classic romantic Mm. and bold Ooh, okay that's cool i like that thank you thank Um, you do you think it's a little all over the place though um no i mean one (laughs) of them i'm like no one of them like one of the alts was like something like sporty or like something that like is a nod to athleisure because i definitely wear a lot of athleisure um Mm. but i just wasn't like i don't know i don't i i couldn't really figure out i didn't really feel like sporty was like what was going to be up there in the top three. So I'm, I'm welcoming submissions, but anyways, what about you? My three words, and it's a little cringy to say this, but my three words are minimal, modern, and sexy. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know what? I'm still, the bloom of youth is not off the rose quite yet. And so I'm still enjoying, you know, leading with hotness. When you stepped out for our, you know, Mexican restaurant dinner in Chino's, And a cutout top and heels when all of us were in basically have leisure, you really did show up for minimal, modern, and sexy. So I appreciate the work that you're doing. I was in beautiful fitted camel slash. (laughs) I had a stunning top on that was like this very interesting modern silhouette. Very Um, sexy for a family dinner, might I add. Very, I wouldn't say necessarily sexy. I would just say revealing. Um, and (laughs) maybe that could be your word. Minimal, modern, revealing. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, and then my, you know, I had sleek, barely there, ankle strap, heels on, very, a very understated silhouette to the heel. Uh, yeah, Chandler, I think that was a great look, and I'm sorry that all of you are not on my level. No, we all looked like, we looked like your frumpy, like, middle America cousins who were in town, who you were, like, buying dinner for. <laughs> um, we, it definitely, definitely was hilarious, and you guys were dressed appropriately for El Cholo, which, even though it's in Newport Beach, is very much a very casual, old Mexican restaurant, right. so. Right, right. But I appreciate you staying on theme. And you know what? You've always dressed nicer than needed, you know? And I think that's a sweet thing about you. You have a distinct habit. And I think it's very charming of being just like never quite dressed appropriately for the environment or the setting, always looking a (sighs) little out of place. Thank you, Chandler. there's, There's only one person in this recording right now who used to wear pearls and heels to middle school. That's true. Yes, it's true. I mean, when, honestly, I was the original fashion influencer of our family. At some point, you I will were. get the... Mm-hmm. I was. I started a fashion blog. I could literally be bankrolling all of our lives if I had kept right, up that right. girl with the freckles. My original <laughs> fashion blog from 2012. I mean, <sighs> it's still a great name. I'm sure some, some other freckled lady has taken it, but I'm sure you're better than her. So... Um. Well, we digress anyway. No one cares about my failed fashion blogs. Okay. So, another thing we wanted to chat about this week was the Bear. You are loving yes. the show. Well I just started it and really okay yes I I just started it it is like in a different vein than Love Island which is what I've basically been consuming exclusively Mm -hmm. for the past two months Um, so definitely a very different definitely a departure from that Um, but it really did remind me it's a show about so let me just say it's a show about a restaurant and restaurant culture you could say or just like the Mm -hmm. you know What it's like to work in a restaurant and not just like a chain restaurant, like not what it's like to work at at Jimmy John's, but like what it's like to work at, you know, a small privately owned or family owned, like, you know, uh, I don't even know how you would describe it. Like, I don't want to say farm to table because I don't know that that's exactly what it is. But like, you know, it's just it's what it's like to work at maybe a high end restaurant. Um, Right, right. And it gave me a lot of nostalgia for our old days at communal. Mm -hmm. Charlie and I worked for, you know, we do have people who are from all over the world. So, listening to this podcast, which will shock Aww. many of our listeners, but I had one <laughs> one of the Q and As was like, "Am I your only listener from Germany?" And when I look at the stats, there are people from all over. So, we need to um, we need to explain for people. Communal was the like, the nicest restaurant in the town, Provo, that we lived in and, and mm-hmm. went to college in. And yes, it was the nicest restaurant there and it was really beautiful. Like it's this very small restaurant, probably only seats 25 or 30 people. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess maybe 40. I don't know. Very small though. Um, And really, really well done. Really beautiful. Like the, um, the restaurateur that created it was like very much like visionary and inspired. And it was, it was a very beautiful space to work in, which I think made it like somewhat of a coveted place to work. Cause like it was one of the few places that was kind of like a glam, you know, job in the service industry. Um, And so Chandler and I took working there really seriously and really loved our job there. But yeah, we have a lot of funny serving stories. It was like, it was my first job that wasn't like working for someone in my family. Like, I think like or that wasn't babysitting so I was very dedicated to it and especially you know the first couple of months of my hosting position I literally used to call Lauren after every shift and tell her every single thing I did wrong which is maybe just you know a little bit of a peek into my psyche yeah I mean it it was just an interesting place to work like every day we would start out having dinner and then during dinner together called family meal like there would be like a, like a program, like there would be Mm -hmm. an idea presented and we would talk about the idea, whether it was like fostering community or, you know, what does it mean to create an experience for a guest? And we would go around the table and like share what we thought that really meant. And it was, it was just hilarious because it was, I mean, it was really like, I don't know. It was a great place to work in that way that it was not just a place you clocked in and clocked out. Um, I mean, I mean, there was something greater we were all aspiring to. And so all of our friends worked there, and we all took it, like, pretty, pretty seriously. Well, literally yeah. all of our, like, closest friends, like, literally worked there. And so, like, yeah. they, it's, it's really fostered, like, lifelong relationships. So that meal is called family meal, and people who have worked in restaurants will, like, know what we're talking about. But it's basically, like, a meal for the staff that uh, the kitchen, like, cooks. Um, so that you all have, like, a meal together before service begins. Um, and... Yeah, it was, it was honestly like idyllic. Like I was, I'm trying to rack my brain for like the hilarious, I mean, there were plenty of times where like Lauren and I got into like fights during work and we'd have to like rush to the back room and like close the curtain and like hash it out Um, because like we were maybe a little bit annoyed with each other. I mean, I got yelled at because I was the host. Um, It was just like, I mean, you always had to wear to like denim and chambray and like look like a hipster. And that was like honestly there was nothing harder than being in the Provo heat and having to slip on a flannel Ugh. Ugh. yeah it was terrible that part that part was atrocious um okay but I do have a funny story from working at communal um okay. so and this involves our sister Courtney um so I was serving a table and and at this very moment, Courtney was having a fun trip with her friends in Beverly Hills and we were chatting or we texting and she was at an Italian restaurant in LA. She sees Mohammed Hadid, um, Muhammad Hadid. I think he's having, I don't know if he was having lunch with David Foster, but he was there no, having lunch. Like, he definitely, yeah. he definitely, you know, makes it known that he's like eyeing Courtney and Angie and Megan. Um, who were all there on a girl's trip. So cut to they're walking on Rodeo Drive and this guy pulls up in a convertible, two guys, and one of them, the guy driving is Muhammad Hadid and asks them to hop in, which they do. Um, You know, shouldn't get in the car with strangers, but he wasn't a stranger. They knew exactly who he was. They knew he was the ex-husband of Yolanda Hadid. They knew he was the father of Gigi Hadid, one of the world's top supermodels. The real estate mogul. Anyway, so... So this was also, I think, like very close to Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, Yolanda Mm -hmm. on the show time. So Muhammad Adid was way more in the zeitgeist in my brain. I followed him on Instagram and I knew about him and Shiva. I was very, very into their, like I was not into their relationship, but I liked, I was voyeuristically into their relationship and liked um, watching. Anyway, cut to I'm serving... While Courtney's in his convertible, like, texting us the juice. And I just can't think about anything else. So someone is giving me their order. And I'm just, like, I'm, like, trying to write it down. I'm, like, I'm so sorry. Do you guys know who Muhammad (laughs) is? And (laughs) fully breaks character. BYU parents. (laughs) and they're like no and i'm like i am so sorry you guys but my sister right now is in la and you will not believe this <laughs> you, you not should have this. been fired on the spot i was like she is literally driving in muhammad hadid's car with him right now this is the father of gigi hadid the supermodel and the ex-husband of yolanda hadid who was on real housewives of beverly hills it's really, who has lyme disease i can't really think I was like, it's very hard for me to take your order right now because I can't really think about anything else. Um, so I apologize. There's probably going to be mistakes throughout this meal. Like you're probably not I like mean, you wanted the pasta. That's not going to come. You're going to get the steak and you're just going to have to, you know, look the other way because I'm in another place mentally right now and emotionally. Could you just come back maybe tomorrow instead when this is resolved? Like I just can't. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow I turned it into like a bit and a comedic performance because they ended up like thinking it was hilarious and I, the 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 joke landed. Let's just say there are other times when the joke <laughs> didn't land. Like there was one time I was a hostess at Pizza Seven Twelve, another restaurant, um, and. I was—I mean, being a host is one of the worst jobs ever, and I was exhausted. It was the end of the night? It was one of my last shifts, and I went up to a table of women who were on their third hour, and there was a table of ten waiting to take their table. Anyway, mm-hmm. they were—you know—dessert had been over for an hour, and I just remember I went up to the table, and I didn't even say this like to be a bitch. I didn't even say it out of irritation or rudeness. I just okay. was tired, and like it was—I just—I just was exhausted. So there's nothing left to do, but speak plainly. Um, So I just go up to the table and I just said, ladies, it is time to depart. Um, We have another, you know, group, that's ready to to dine with us tonight. And the ladies looked at me (gasps) with such hostility because I, I definitely thought like, Oh, it'll be just like a, you know, they'll be like, Oh yeah, we've been here for forever. Lauren. So, so sorry. Apologies. No, they looked at me like I was the biggest bitch. So, (gasps) um, those are my, it's funny now because that sort of thing like is very common in New York. Like you gotta, you gotta go, you, you eat and then you gotta go. I mean, I went to a a burger place. It was like, Like, the owner was literally walking around being like, are you guys done yet? We got people waiting. Like, that's so... Yeah. Asking people to leave, the hardest part of the job, hands down. It's so hard. And these were very much, like, entitled, you know, women who had no empathy. Oh, this was another thing I loved working This is a story that's just coming back to me now. Um, a little Celine Dion moment, but I remember there was this group of women at communal. They came in and we had a private dining room that sat 10 people or eight people. And sometimes people like trying to have a party on the cheap would, make a reservation there and then, like, close the curtains and put up decorations. <laughs> and it was a little cringy. And I just remember this group of women came in for dinner. They had a reservation for eight. They proceeded to order four desserts and nothing else and throw a party in the private dining room Um, with confetti, with de- decorations. Just renting the space. Yeah, just, like, paying, I don't know, $35 of- to... yeah right to take up one of the biggest parts of the restaurant for a full three hours. Um, Lots of egregious behavior was witnessed. I remember, okay, one funny story that I think that I did uh, was one time I was serving lunch and I didn't take lunch service very seriously. And the guy ordered steak and fries and he asked if there was any sort of sauce to go with the steak. And I said, yeah, we have a Worcestershire sauce, which I still can't pronounce. For the record, and and I still don't really know what it is. Yeah, and he said, I'm "Oh, clear. what kind of sauce is that?" And I really had no idea, so I just was like, "Oh, it's a uh, it's a it's a uh, standard steak sauce with a traditional preparation." <laughs> he was like, "Oh, okay, like what's in it?" And I was just like, "I'll have to go ask the chef." <laughs> anyway, I got that tip on that one um uh, do you have any tales for do, us Chandler did we tell the story about Bethany do we tell were that you there story? you were there that night weren't you that was I took the call or did you take the call okay I feel like Let's, we should tell this Bethany Frankel story but we should have Andrew or Gibson on the line yeah a royal historian or our brainy expert on the line okay. when we tell it because it's just too funny and we need we need them to also be part of that retelling right right, right. Okay, so um we did have some additional questions people had from the anonymous Q&A that were frankly not that juicy, and so we figured we'd answer them on the regular episode. But speaking of the juice, brief plug, Chandler and I did answer frankly inappropriate and completely TMI questions on the on the Patreon episode, the anonymous Q&A Patreon episode. So If you want to listen to that and help us get to our goal of 1,000 patrons by 2023, tap the link in our show notes and, yeah, uh, listen to us being real slores for that $7.99 a month. Um, Okay, but back to the questions that were fit for public consumption. Um, Someone wanted to know what the most embarrassing thing we've ever said or done on a date is. Ooh. Okay. Okay there are two things one time I had I think I've told this story before but I'll just go ahead and reiterate it um I had what I think now was E. coli poisoning um and I um, wasn't my stomach was not feeling well this was you know after we'd had dinner after we were just like watching a movie um wink wink nod nod and I just was like, not well. So I excused myself to go to the little girl's room and wherein I proceeded to have it come from both ends and I'll stop it right there. Oh, But this was at my was new. This with, um, ben, Ben's date. Was that? The, was it? No. Did you throw up on Ben's first date? Um, I oh, did. Was that wasn't one. even the most embarrassing. Yeah, that was actually, that's actually wow. kind of a tend- tender story. Now that was like my second date with Ben, I did throw up. But people are going to think you're um, a real drunkard. These okay emissions. neither neither that was not from drinking this was literally I think I got food poisoning because it was like it was the first and last Ugh. time I hope to god this ever happens but it was like it came out both ends at the same time involuntarily terrible terrible yeah what about you now that I've shared that um, how, experience how did you leave how did you like what did you did you say I'm like just so ill was, after you were done it was like a four-year vacations trip to the restroom um, and then I drove myself home and threw up on the way home, like literally to pull over and throw up. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Horrific. So I'm still working through well, that trauma. Um, I So my story is not from a date. So I'm kind of cheating here, but I do think okay. it is the most embarrassing and cringiest thing that I've ever done, putting my foot in my mouth. But um, there was one time where I... My at my last company at the company I worked for, the CEO did this like Tuesday lunch thing where he had lunch with people who you know the the commoners who worked at the the organization. Mm-hmm. Um, so he w- would have lunch with employees every Tuesday, and he would pick it, you know, he would pick two employees. or I don't know how they would get pick, picked, but anyway, anyone for the company could be invited to a lunch with the CEO and one other employee. So it's a pretty okay. intimate lunch, right? Sounds like my worst Um, nightmare, to be honest. Our CEO was honestly a very nice person, but I wouldn't say he has like an intense personality, not an extreme extrovert, more of like a serious minded, more of an introvert. Kind of, I would say even maybe quiet. So we're just more, he's low key. He was low key. And the other person who I got paired with for this lunch was basically a mute, okay? They had nothing to say. One of the most quiet people of all time. So it was just up to me. You know, here I was, Atlas, okay, with the world on my shoulders, having to carry this conversation the entire lunch. (laughs) And- it was just exhausting. And I just remember okay. like I'm 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 freaking being a clown, telling one story after another, right, keeping right. the conversation going, keeping the energy up. Right. And it was frankly Tiring. um at one point I hear myself say oh you know and that was it was just funny it was 24 at the time and that was around the age that you know being 24 is so interesting and I'm with like 50 plus CEO of the company I worked for oh my gosh and I'm telling the story and I'm like you know being 24 is just so interesting because I remember there's like this one time when I was 24 and I was like working at a restaurant and I was telling my friends like you know I think like I it's, I just realized that like I'm never gonna be a starlet. Like I'll never be on the cover of Teen Vogue. Like I'll never be like <laughs> that. Age has passed. And I think it's one of the first times like you realize that. Whoa, like maybe when you were a kid and you read all those magazines and you you know like you see stars like Misha Barton on the cover right. and like you think oh that could be you. And then you know you're like 24 hour in a restaurant. And you're like whoa like I'll never be a starlet. <laughs> and I'm Once just, again. Like, can I just say once again, why were you not fired on the spot? <laughs> like, and then my, the CEO was just like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh, t- uh-huh. Yeah, for sh- yeah, yeah, you know, wow. funny, funny. <laughs> it's like probably like, meanwhile, he's like crafting an email. It's like, we need to be a stronger, our interview process. Like, let's add a few more additional rounds to the interviews. <laughs> well, yeah, honestly. I want you to address, Lauren, um, the anonymous question you got about your vacation behavior because I think you need to answer <laughs> for it oh my gosh should I pull up the exact wording please please read I it I think I should before the jury okay let's see here hold on one second it'll take me a, I, a quick moment to retrieve it when you sent this to me because I haven't really been I don't really actually know how to check the anonymous questions probably a good thing when you sent this yeah, to me I just thing. about died Someone said, do you (laughs) ever, didn't they address it to you? Right. They said, Lauren, do you ever do anything cultural or historical when you're traveling (laughs) or do you just shop and lay out on beaches even though you already live somewhere tropical? (laughs) Wow. I mean, can I just say, I love that you're getting hate for the way you vacation. I think it is (laughs) so completely out of bounds. It's truly hilarious um well first of all i mean i i I did not visit anguilla's local museum i did i will admit that on this podcast i did not really dive headfirst into the culture of anguilla so you know nail me to the cross like vicki gumbelson but here i am um you can get you can get thirst traps at relics lauren you can do that too (laughs) just so you know You can look hot at historical sites. Ass shots are really possible everywhere. And that's something I need to remember and remind myself. Thank you, Chandler. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I think maybe people are just sick of the infinity pools. They'd like to see, uh, you know, abandoned temples or, you know, ruins of sorts. Here's the thing, Chandler. The reality is, is I'm really passionate about swimming and the life aquatic. Um and when it comes to vacations right now i'm really interested in degenerating completely just having fun blasting off i'm not super interested in like learning tours right now mm-hmm. um when i'm in well, when i was in europe i went to i mean i literally cried when i saw la sagrada familia in barcelona so i mean yes i, I do don't even know what that stuff. is it's a church it's like a cathedral in okay. barcelona i mean um Can I just say on your behalf, Lauren reads a ton of nonfiction. Lauren actively spends her time learning about things that I don't care about, that I actively don't care about. Um, It's kind of hilarious, only because Lauren is very smart and learned that people think that, or at least this person, you know, is basically nailing Lauren to the cross for, you know, her superficial vacations. And it's like, can't people just vacation how they want to vacation? Jeez. If you want to go on a fucking carnival cruise, you can do that. I also think there's a little bit of it that's like, listen, I've just picked a lane on Instagram these days. Like, sure. I am a thirsty hoe. I like a real good thirst trap. I love an infinity pool pick. I love I love all that stuff. Do you really want that paired also with poetry, museum information? Totally. Hi- yes. History- yes. Histories of wherever I am. Guys. Like, cultural moments of importance i feel like that is what would be nauseating it's like trying to be like not only am i here in a bikini but i'm smart Mm -hmm. too like honestly no no one wants that listen listeners be careful what you wish for we do not want this side of lauren (laughs) we are not here for it we're not interested we are going to be subjected to a lot of poetry a lot of musings and Honestly, you will regret it. So, no. You will deeply, deeply regret shaming me for being such a shallow hoe on Instagram. As someone who shared a Jack and Jill bathroom with poet Lauren, who was constantly (laughs) subjected to her musings, who spent the majority of her adolescent life listening to poems like, you know, whiskey rum or whatever, you don't want this. Trust you me, you do not want this. Okay, first of all, I did not have... um, I did not have Johnny Depp taste in poetry. Um, I only shared with you like scholarly, published, good academic work. Um, Can can we just talk a little bit about the idea that you thought your, at the time, probably 10 or 11-year-old sister would have like, you know, honestly like good feedback on your poems. But it was honestly sweet about our bond. that You'd be like, hey, can I read you something? And then I'd be like, I love it. (laughs) Like, I mean, I was honestly like the things that moved me at the time were like Death Cab for Cutie songs. And I, yeah, I ate it up. (laughs) Chandler was like literally subjected to so much insanity. I used to play like Dylan Thomas poetry read aloud um very loudly on my huge speaker in my room a stranger has come to share my room in the house that's not like- right in the head a girl mad as birds she has come possessed she who admits the delusive light through the bouncing walls possessed See, this, is what the we're gonna do- this is what we're gonna deal with let's let's no literally this is what we're gonna have to deal with i mean the most mainstream thing that you kind of did was listen to like uh irish indie music i don't know what we call damien rice these days but whatever and that's what i had to get into in order to like enjoy being in your car <laughs> um, one of my favorite moments was when I was babysitting Chandler, Nick, and McCall when my parents were out of town when I was probably 20 and or 19, and it, an Irish folk band, or like an Irish like troupe came into yes. the local town. Literally to the local library. Not even a concert. I brought them to see Bioga. Chandler, do you remember?
1: Of course wanna I remember. want to
0: work in a factory. So this is we what I'm This is what... Lauren Lauren's like teens and and like 20s and 30s are swapped Lauren spent her like teens as a very serious adult like caring about history and Irish singing and now she's finally living out her like superficial teenage years so let's just let her have this it's it's absolutely correct um and if we turn back the clock of time to my social media in my early 20s I mean one of one of my favorite quotes from one of my best friends is I hated you before I knew you because I was so (laughs) annoying on social media yeah So, so anyways with that being said be careful what you wish for don't want to work in a factory No, nope, nope. all right moving on, on, on to the next clothes. question okay see she even she's trying to sing now this is this is also the type of person <laughs> yeah. she is she tries to sing well all the time pity um. me my darling okay all pity right. me, I say <laughs> okay um the next question okay, okay. is um yeah would you stay at a job you felt bored or uninspired in but made great money or great benefits or had great benefits um yes absolutely I mean I think a job where you have great money and benefits and your board is a great job to have because most of the time jobs with great benefits and money are um really stressful so i would stay there until you have something else lined up that's my opinion Chandler? um yeah i think that things ebb and flow with jobs um like there are times where i felt bored at my my job you know that just is natural um i think that thinking your job is going to constantly like you know entertain you or creatively stroke you that sounds gross but like creatively inspire you <laughs> is, is asking a lot um and Kate, maybe I'm just jaded yeah. but I think like I think you should also it's be so creatively true. stoking your own fire and that, that's what this podcast is what my this nonsense podcast is for me um so I just I, I think that if you make good money and you have good benefits and you can handle it like I don't know I I'm I also am a big proponent of like your a job is a job and you can be good at it and be you know you can be totally good at it and passionate enough to do a fantastic job but you don't need to have it be your identity and I I try to separate those two things Yeah. I mean, expecting, I think it's the biggest problem when people think my job should not only be my source of income, my health benefits, Mm -hmm. you know, the way I make a living, but it also needs to be my spiritual nourishment, my life purpose, passion. And that's just a line. Yeah. That's a line of goods that we've been sold. And one of my favorite business leaders is Scott Galloway or like business thought leaders. And he he talks about how like most people that tell you to follow their passion are people who like have made billions of dollars selling like medical software. Um, so what he says and I agree with is you become passionate about what you're doing and you find a lot of reward there when you have when your skill set becomes really valuable and rare after a lot of work and then you know uh, you enjoy you enjoy essentially delivering a lot of value and being like a rare commodity. And I think that, and you enjoy building wealth. I think that's the realistic corporate path to go down. I think, yeah. yeah. But and, I mean, honestly, for a corporate job, board, great money, great benefits. That's a pretty good deal. Look at this girl. She listens to Scott Galloway. You know, she's doing more than just taking thirst <laughs> traps and pulls everybody. Look at her. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And I'm not even wearing a thong bikini right now, everyone. So, <laughs> Can you to color yourself blessed. I did get a, a DM when I was like, be careful. This one piece is really cheeky. And I got a DM that was like, mm, it's more like a thong. Thong, 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 thong. All caps. What's that from? Thong. Mom? <laughs> that was no from, from uh, our dear Alethea. Mm. So, Love thanks it. for keeping me honest, girlfriend. Um, it is true, though. Um, so, yeah. So, there we go. That's my okay. biz advice. Anyway, um, Chandler, anything else we want to get into today? No. After that vulnerable confession from me, I feel like I need to shut up. Mm. Speaking of confessions, this Friday on the Patreon, I'm doing a solo episode featuring Kagan. So I was able to convince Kagan to record with me for about a half an hour, and we answer a lot of the questions that you had for me that involve him, like how we split our finances, um, what our plan is... After marriage, when it comes to splitting finances, you guys asked me certain questions, and I had him answer them because I felt like he would give a very realistic answer. The big one, though, is a lot of you wanted to know how I got him to propose, which was kind of strange. I kind of felt like it should have been, you know, how did how did how you did accept you, his proposal? Yeah, like how did he get this very learned woman to agree to take his hand in marriage? And anyway. Um, that was not the question, so we talked all about that journey together, the engagement process from a guy's perspective, all of his thoughts on that stuff, so that will be up on oh, and he also explains what he does, which was a big question people had so that will be up on the patreon this Friday link on the okay link in the show notes. I have another plug. I know we have some new listeners. And I just want to let you all know that if you feel so inclined, please go and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. If you like this podcast, if you've tuned in for one episode and you found it to be five stars, go leave it a five-star review on iTunes. It does our podcast a huge service when you do that. Um, And, you know, it's good karma. I don't know what else it is, but, like, it's good juju, whatever. Please do it for us. It would really mean a lot. It's very easy. Apple Podcasts. Search the podcast name. Tap on it. Scroll down. You'll see where it'll have the stars. You just click five stars. You don't even have to write anything. Also, if you're on Spotify, you can rate us on Spotify. That would be super helpful. Um, And if you do write something, it will make our day, though. There's really no downside to leaving us a review, please correct um you guys thank you for listening next week we are doing a deep dive of nicole kidman and keith urban's midlife romance i mean is there anything more fortifying to the soul than the tale of two human beings ensconced in love today (laughs) i was was waiting for like an australia thing no there's really not i I cannot wait to hear it is there, anything more, is there anything more fortifying than a man with gorgeous highlights and a woman with immaculate cheekbones <laughs> falling in love? Is there anything that's going to make you not stop believing than a couple that Botoxes together, okay? Right, a couple right. with two frozen faces who mm-hmm. just love to make out. Um, so I'm very excited for that episode. It should be fun. Yeah. Okay. Love you guys. All right. Love you guys. Bye. Bye.
1: at my clothes ain't gonna work in a factory. Splinters in my toes, pitting me, my darling, pitting me. more I'll hang my bobbins up, the no more I'll take them down. The no more I'll hang my bobbins up, I'm leaving this old town. Pretty me, my darling. Pretty me.
0: folks don't forget give us a five-star review hit us up on instagram at pop apologists and we will see you next week live every wednesday